0: In the WSJM Newsroom, I'm Ken Lundberg. A 34-year-old Benton Harbor man is dead following a chase with police early Sunday. The Berrien County Sheriff's Department says it all started on M139 at Napier Avenue around 2 a.m. Officers with the Benton Township Police Department say they spotted a vehicle speeding. It swerved around one of their patrol cars and didn't stop when they tried to pull it over. Officers chased the vehicle westbound I-94 but then lost it. Not long after, a deputy with the Berrien County Sheriff's Department saw the same vehicle northbound on Lakeshore Drive near Shoreham. When the deputy tried to stop the vehicle, it sped off. The pursuit continued into the city limits of St. Joseph but ended when the suspect vehicle crashed at Lakeshore Drive and Hilltop Road. The driver was thrown from the vehicle in the crash and pronounced dead at the scene. The incident is under investigation. The name of the deceased has not yet been released. The 2023 session of the state legislature officially comes to a close this week, and State Senator Eric Nesbitt says this year was a missed opportunity. He tells us with Democrats in control of both chambers for the first time in about 40 years, they ignored overtures from Republicans seeking cooperation and instead pursued their own agenda. At every opportunity, as I've reached out my hand to try to work towards a common sense middle solution, the Democrat majority made the conscious choice to sprint to the far left with their big progressive donors and big unions, big trial lawyers, and those who just want to grow the size and scope of government. Nesbitt says the year got off to a bad start as Democrats attempted to block an income tax from taking effect. While they were unable to do that, he says they did approve several bills with no input from the other side of the aisle. For one, Nesbitt says they approved an extreme energy package looks like we're heading for a second lost decade on top of the Democrats' extreme energy plan that would end the use of natural gas in Michigan and that would drive up utility rates and energy prices in Michigan and make it, make our energy grid less reliable. Nesbit notes that energy package also stripped away local control of zoning for wind and solar projects, warning this could lead to farmland being industrialized. He says the Democrats also stuck it to Republicans by moving the state's presidential primary to February of next year which violates RNC rules and has resulted in Republicans in Michigan losing about 90 percent of their delegates to the GOP convention. The city of South Haven is receiving a $27.6 million grant from the Environmental Protection Agency for water system work. City Manager Kate Hozier tells us the funds from the Drinking Water State Revolving Fund will be used for multiple projects. There's a lead service line replacement element. There's a water main on 72nd Street. There's a replacement of an elevated tank that will be relocated to the Public Works Department property. There's also a booster station going in. Hozier says this is a significant grant that will do a substantial amount of work. I really give a lot of kudos to city staff and, of course, all the people that we work for, work with, and the South Area Water Sewer Authority that really spearheaded a lot of this work. So $27.6 million is the largest state-revolving funds that I've seen come across our desk here. Hozier says the goal is to ensure the system, which serves about 11,000 customers, runs as efficiently and effectively as possible. There isn't yet a schedule for when the work will be done. This past weekend was Veterans Day, and a new monument, Medal of Honor recipient Jim McLuhan, was dedicated on Saturday in South Haven. Bruce Thatcher with the American Legion Post in South Haven tells us the dedication on Veterans Day came not a day too soon. Jim received his Medal of Honor on July 31st of 2017, and I personally don't know why it's taken this long to get a monument up. But it's kind of nice to have a monument for somebody that's living so he can see it. The South Haven City Council approved the monument in May. It's right out in front of City Hall. McLuhan received the Medal of Honor for his actions to save other soldiers in the Vietnam War. Thatcher calls him a treasure to the community. Two new government bodies have been created by the Berrien County Board of Commissioners to manage and oversee projects using the county's opioid settlement money. Related to the National Opioid Settlement, $8 million will trickle into the county over the next 18 years. The board has voted to create an Opioid Settlement RFP review team and an Opioid Settlement Oversight Committee. The review team will review and score proposals submitted for the use of the funds. The Oversight Committee will consist of 15 members and will meet quarterly to review how opioid funds are being used. Sitting on the two bodies will be county officials representing the Prosecutor's Office, the Sheriff's Department, and the Health Department. It also includes outside partners like Riverwood and the local clergy. The county board voted to create the two entities last week while voting to applaud the work of the Berrien County Opioid Task Force, which has been meeting for a year to discuss how to use the settlement money. Republican State Representative James Dasana is calling for Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel to be impeached. Dasana has introduced articles of impeachment in a House resolution co-sponsored by several other representatives. They include Joseph Fox and Matt Maddock. The Attorney General has operated with disregard to the parameters of her office and in several cases has used her office to attack political enemies and to benefit friends and associates who have been accused of fraud with much supporting evidence and public accusation to support these accusations. What we have witnessed has led us to believe that our Attorney General has behaved in a corrupt manner. The Articles of Impeachment claim Nessel violated her constitutional oath of office by declining to charge any of the individuals responsible forging and filing fraudulent voter registrations in Muskegon. So far, there has been no comment from Nessel or her office. State Representative Pauline Wenzel has introduced legislation seeking to ensure that green energy projects use ethically sourced components. Her office says the legislation ensures that in order to receive any taxpayer dollars, the components used in the production of electric vehicles and green energy generation are not produced using forced, unsafe, oppressive child or slave labor. It tells us materials like cobalt and polysilicon come from areas like the Democratic Republic of Congo and China, where child labor and, in some cases, forced labor are used. Wenzel's legislation amends the Management and Budget Act to prohibit state procurement of electric vehicles unless provided with a sworn declaration that the manufacturer certifies every person involved in the making, sourcing or mining of the materials did not employ forced labor or child labor. Other Republicans joined her with bills also seeking ethical sourcing of materials in green energy projects. Wenzel says, with the State House going to an even split in January, she hopes the package has a chance of passage. Michigan business groups are applauding the final passage of a bill that would boost charging access for electric vehicles in the state. The legislation allows charging station operators to resell electricity to EV owners without requiring them to be regulated as utilities, bringing Michigan in line with federal policy. Justin Carpenter with the Michigan Energy Innovation Business Council says charging stations are different from gas stations because they can be built anywhere. The future looks like a lot of different options when it comes to charging, right? I because it's not, it's not quite like gas stations where they have to be in one plot and you have to pull off the highway and stop at this one spot. Charging can kind of be anywhere. It can be, you know, you can put a curbside charger next to a parallel parking spot. Uh, people are charging at home overnight, so they're typically starting each day fully topped off. The legislation still needs to be signed by Governor Whitmer. And holiday car deals are expected to return this year, but not to pre-COVID levels. Analyst Ivan Drury of Edmonds.com says dealers have better inventories and we should see far more December promotions than we saw in 21 and 2022. The last two years, um, they've been bleak to say the least. I mean, anybody going out there trying to find a deal probably went home pretty quick um, because there just weren't any vehicles on dealers' lots. Drury says we may also see a return of special Black Friday car and truck deals for the day after Thanksgiving. In the WSJM Newsroom, I'm Ken Lundberg.